everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanDrag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Elliot Niblock. We are polyless this Friday, and I've been battling the flu or something like that for the past two days here, so uh, I've been better. Been well, it better. sounds like you're on the men. Oh yeah, I am so much better than I was yesterday. Yesterday was... Oof. I mean, you know, there's a famous old Swedish commercial that used to go on TV. It's for cold meds. And it's this guy who's, uh, you know, hanging over a steam thing with the vapor and all that stuff. And then he looks up and he's all miserable and he's like, You women, you talk about having kids. But do you know how it is when a man has got a really bad cold? I mean, men are just the worst when it comes to being sick. Like, my wife, yeah. she's never sick. She she got this, like, the whole family had this. First it was our daughter, then it was my wife, and now it's me. And I'm by far the worst one. Like, I'm the biggest baby. <laughs> so, but yeah, feeling a lot better than I was yesterday. So that that's always a plus. And you know what? Tomorrow... I can just enjoy the day and watch some soccer while I'm trying to be on the mend here. So, you know, can't complain too much. Uh, we're going to start with a couple of news tidbits. Uh, like I said, we are Paul this, but we'll hear a little mobile take from him um, in a little, little while here. Uh, Liverpool reportedly snubbed a third bid from Barcelona. Uh, this time it was 113 million pounds. Uh, Elliot, when do you think the breaking point is reached here for Liverpool? Like, when does it actually make more financial sense to sell Coutinho than to keep him? I don't know. I mean, well, because the thing is that, all right, we, I mean, we had a debate on our last show about the boons and ills of ending the transfer window prior to the season, and Paulie was really adamant that it's terrible for the players. I still don't think that it's that bad like maybe a handful of players involved in transfers who are also playing all of their international fixtures will be a little more fatigued but i don't i mean i think there are other ways to offset that but put it you know put a pin in that for me this is case in point exactly i mean this is perfectly illustrative of why it needs to be like this business needs to be done before the season because I just I think that a lot of clubs, both buying and selling clubs, end up waiting until the eleventh hour. But the problem is that waiting until the eleventh hour is a weird catch twenty two, right? Because you're holding out for the best price possible, but then you can't get a replacement. And so talking about you know, we had this conversation about Guffy Sigurdsson, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. okay, what is his value? objectively you know it kind of in the vacuum and then what is his value to a Swansea team that could be relegated without a player of that quality on the pitch and I mean you know Liverpool are certainly not going to be in a relegation battle by any means but being able to translate that liquid capital into quality on the pitch I mean you know the win- the window is closing and then there- there's no way of course teams will still you know everybody's still gonna know right even if you do your business several weeks ago as barcelona did for example everybody knows that you've got a ton of money and that's part of this for sure that liverpool knows that barcelona are you know 
coming into this windfall of Neymar cash. Mm-hmm. So they're going to hold out for as much as they can. I, I don't know. I mean, another thing that we talked about on our last episode was when the the idea that like when these quote unquote giant clubs like Real, Bayern, Barcelona come calling, then you're not supposed to stand in the player's way. And the player, you know, handed in his transfer request. Several of the, um, you know, his teammates are behind him, but the Fenway Sports Group says that no offers for Coutinho are going to even be considered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they, you know, they. I'm, I'm just. I I really don't know, to be quite frank. Like I, I'll plead ignorance on this one because I've thought that Coutinho was not going to be playing in a Liverpool shirt, but then again, I mean, are you going to be able to keep driving up the price for Barca? Obviously, Liverpool thinks so. Maybe they're actually going to, you know, stick to their guns and just not sell him. In which case, I will feel a fool for trading him in my fantasy league. But it, to me, it is. The only definitive thing, right? And you know, I've said before that transfer speculation, I you know, it's not my favorite part of <laughs> sports journalism when it comes to football. But for me, the only thing that is clear in this whole situation is that it puts a red stamp on yes, absolutely. 2018, the transfer window should end, you know, Maybe end of July, certainly before the Premier League season, perhaps on the eve of the Community Shield. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, too, that he signed a new five-year deal last November. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's yeah. n- with no release clause or anything like that. So, Liverpool, they, I mean, they can and they could just say, hey, you know, we're not selling you. That it doesn't yeah. make sense for us. We want to keep you. Yeah. And you're on the contract with us, so... Now go play ball. Yeah. And I I think that Liverpool are well within their rights to do that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that, and, that's the thing, too, because I'm tired of seeing players acting like little kids and you'd be like, I want to go. Yeah. When yeah. they've signed a five-year contract, then don't sign a five-year contract. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the key, right? Like, I agree with you 100% on that because I'm of two minds about it because on the one hand, you know – the like it, these aren't gladiators by any means, but it's uh, it's a physical game. It's a game in which, you know, at any moment there could be an Eduardo tackle that ends your career, or at least ends the trajectory on which your career appeared mm-hmm. for a long time. And or you know, as we'll hear from Paulie about Stu Holding later, you know, there there are a spate of injuries that will leave you wondering, and of course, especially all the more so, I can't even imagine as the player themselves, what could have been. You know, if you hadn't done all of your cruciate ligaments at once or torn your Achilles or no. No, like I mean, I understand that he might wants to, that he might want to go. I totally understand that. But and he's doing it a little bit better than some other players. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when they refuse to train and, you know, yeah. all that stuff, it's like well, that's yeah, I mean, to me, it's the it's the contract situation, you know, and I think that. I think that maybe players need to be a little bit more circumspect with their agents because it's in the agent's best interest. Like plunk down that five-year deal. Like you're going to take a cut certainly right up front of the overall contract value. You know, it's that the agents will love the four and five-year deals. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, you know, like 
oh, well, when the time comes, we can force the transfer. It'll be fine. But of course they're going to say that. You know, I mean, it's it's in Bossman's best interest to get as big a slice of the pie as he can. And he's oh, getting course. lots of pie. I mean, it just, to me, it's, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that in general, probably shorter contracts are better. Obviously, the longer contracts, the, and this is this is really the catch-22 here. I mean, I'm overusing that phrase in this episode already. We're, what, 10 minutes in? Right, okay. But, but the, the thing is that on the one hand, you know, you have the negotiating parties in all of this, which are the agents and the club, and it's in both of their best interests to lock down the best players for as long as possible. And then you have, you know, both of these parties, like the the players getting it in either ear, like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing for you. Look at all this cash. It's going to be great. And, you know, in many ways it is great, right? Like for not hyperbole, millions of people across the world, a five-year multi-million dollar contract at Liverpool, that's a dream come true. Oh, yeah, of course. And, and, you know, and for Coutinho in some ways it was just – that everybody's got hierarchies to their dreams and he would rather be at Barca, but then don't sign that contract. And it, but I, I imagine that it's really hard as a young man who again is cognizant to the fact that it could all go out with one horrible injury tomorrow. Then you want to get as much as you can as quickly as you can and get that on lock. But maybe the voices telling you that are not necessarily entirely in your own interest. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I understand if he wants to go to Barca, and then it's just up to the to the clubs to reach an agreement. But you know, if I were Coutinho, I mean, that's just me being me. But I would still train and play with Liverpool. I wouldn't refuse to train like other players have in the past, and. Um, We'll see what happens, but you know, there's going to come a point where it's going to be enough money for Liverpool to say, "Hey, you know what? It's worth selling him." Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the, I mean, but because I mean, I already think that 113 it's a lot of money for Coutinho. Yeah, it's a lot of money for Coutinho. I mean, I don't, and he's he's a really good. He, he's he's one of the best attacking midfielders in the world for sure, but. He's not the best in the league. No. I, I don't think. Um, no, I mean, and I think that's, that's the thing, too. I mean, if if um, if Coutinho goes for 113, how much would Eden Hazard yeah, that's, cost? Yeah, that I mean, was the name exactly that I was thinking yeah. of. I mean, it, they're, they're similar players. I think Coutinho has a better long shot on him mm-hmm. than Hazard does. Yeah. Um, but I think that Hazard's a little more creative on the ball than Coutinho is. And I mean, it's yeah. I, it, the the transfer market, especially in you know in England and with some of the big clubs like Barcelona and Barcelona coming off this huge windfall, but it, it'll be interesting. I, I I don't know. I'm I've been thinking that Coutinho was going to be unveiled for Barcelona by Monday for most of the last week, to be honest. Yeah, but, it, I mean, it almost felt like they were going with plan B there when they ended up signing Paulinho. Oh, yeah, totally. Or plan D, I don't know. Um, so we'll see what happens there. One deal that is done, that's Davison Sanchez leaving Ajax to join Tottenham. Uh, reports of a club record fee of £40 million for the Colombian international central defender. Uh, he signed a six-year contract. 
That's a lot. That's a long, 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 long contract. Yeah. But he's only 21. So you lock him down for all of his prime, basically. Yeah, boy. But that's a lot of money for a 21-year-old. I mean, especially I, I should I should qualify that. I think that's a lot of money for a twenty-one-year-old at this position, and you know, I I'll I'll be the first to admit I watch more of the Colombian national team than I do of Ajax, so I can't I I haven't seen this guy play much, but that's a position at which I don't think that most players. I think it's very rare for you to even approach your peak as a defender until your mid twenties mm-hmm. and it's a central defender in particular. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, you know, from what little I did see of Ajax, I think he played well. He was their uh, player of the season. Uh, he came from Atletico Nacional in Colombia uh, last summer in June of 2016. That's a meteoric rise. Uh, they paid 5 million euros for him. So, oh boy, that is a great investment. Let's for, say, uh, for let's say, Amsterdam let's say a, about four million pounds, roughly. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty good return on your investment, right there. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, and you know, like, boy, there are plenty of investors who'd be happy to have that return just sitting on something. Say nothing of getting all of the results that come with having a quality player in your squad. Yeah. So I mean, this has led to some rumors saying that Kevin Vimmer might be on his way out. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that they have Vertonghen and Alderweireld. That's going to yeah, still be you know, their first duo. Man, this, it really, it pains me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think that it's true. Ah, we're, we're spending all this time talking about City, but especially with this signing. Again, I think that, you know, Premier League signings are inflated blah 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 maybe he's not worth exactly that money but who really knows in this transfer market these days Mm. tottenham are a sneaky dark horse for this championship race i mean i i don't think that on paper even though this summer you know it's easy to put up in lights what city have spent on Mm. their defense and look at their squad and go oh my god they're scary good but you know Tottenham were already a good team. They've done a, they've hung on to their talent. And now they've got one of the best defenses in the league also. So it this is a signing that I'm my my heart wants to be quick to say, "Oh yeah, 40 million for a 21-year-old central defender who probably can't even read the game half as well as most of the 25-year-old Premier League defenders we already have." But my brain says, well, if he's if he proves to be the genuine article, then suddenly Tottenham may just have one of the best defenses in the Premier League, and that should scare all of the opposition. Oh yeah, no, I, th- I he'll be he'll come good. It might take a while, and yeah. that that's the same thing with Victor Lindelof at Manchester United. It's going to take I mean, a while. And honestly, even without Kyle Walker, like Vertonghen is I honestly kind of rate Vertonghen more highly than uh, Kyle Walker but you know that's just me mm-hmm. yeah this was their first uh, buy of the summer though so we'll see if they do anything else before it closes down and, and now we'll go to Paulie who's got a little little mobile take after the reports that Manchester City were going after Johnny Evans so have a listen to that and uh, then we'll discuss 
Hey y'all, it's Pauly. In a week where not much has happened, combined with me being in Aruba last week and not seeing any of the games, there wasn't much for me to say, which is shocking, I know, for me, not being able to think of anything to say, until uh, the other day when I saw a report that said Manchester City was interested in signing a uh, signing defender Johnny Evans from West Brom. And I was like, oh, huh. That's a funny joke. And then I saw another report that said West Brom actually rejected a bid for Johnny Evans from Manchester City. And I was just like, what planet are we living on? Was my first uh, response. And then I said, actually, no, like City, please go ahead and sign this guy. I mean, how is Johnny Evans being the, being the target of a big club who, you know, wants a defender? Have they ever seen him play? I know people are going to say he's good and this and that. Johnny Evans didn't make it at Manchester United. Um, he was, he was the, you know, uh, if you go back to the 2008 title uh, Premier League and Champions League winning season, the back, the center backs were Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic and Gerard Piquet was the number three guy. Piquet didn't like being number three. He wanted to go back to Barcelona. He left. Johnny Evans became the new young up and coming number three guy. And he was so bad for so long that it was, well, we got to go out there and sign Chris Smalling. We got to go out there and sign Phil Jones. And somehow, even though Chris Smalling and Phil Jones weren't that imposing, they became the heir future. And John Evans was still the number three. And while Ferdinand and Vidic were still there, um, Evans was like the number five, essentially. So he flames out. He finds himself at West Brom where he's playing decently. But I mean, this is a guy who, whenever United conceded a goal, his man was always the guy that scored it, and John Evans had the best seat, as oftentimes he wasn't even trying to defend the guy. Uh, he was just watching. I mean, that's what he does. And fans will point out that he had one of the highest uh, winning percentages while at United. You know, when he played, we won, and Sir Alex Ferguson liked him and everything. That's all a load of baloney. I mean, Fergie obviously did like him, and he saw something in him, but there's also a reason that his win percentage was so high because he only played against crappy teams. When we actually had a big game, Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't letting him anywhere near the field. Um, that's just, that's the way it went, you know. We can't trust him. So, and then, of course, as an American, there is the fact that Johnny Evans is pretty much responsible for ruining Stu Holden's career, when Stu Holden probably could have been one of, if not the best, maybe up there with Claudio Reyna, the best central midfielder that the U.S. ever had. So we'll never forgive him for that. Okay, so that was Polly's take on Manchester City going after Johnny Evans. He gave us a little history lesson there of what Evans did or you know didn't do really at Manchester United. And uh, yeah, this seems like an odd uh, target for them. I don't know why they would go after Johnny Evans really, especially at. I feel like he would be what number. F- on the depth chart maybe yeah yeah it's it's really strange i mean the one the one thing that stood out to me in paulie's little hot take there is that it he didn't make any real mention of i mean there, there are two things here that stand out i mean I, again paulie gave us a great history lesson in terms of what johnny Evans has done over the years um Two things. On the one hand, I I think that his stock is inflated just by dint of the fact that he plays for a Tony Pulis defend first, defend second, defend third, and if the ball goes into the opposition net philosophy, great, then, you know. It, so, 
I mean, he he plays in one of the most conservative systems in certainly English football, maybe top flight football throughout Europe. And you know, does that? I, I that that I mean that I think has something to do with perhaps how he's perceived to have improved his game over the course of the last few years. But also the other flip side of this is just like city don't care. I mean, it's that, that, that dead horse metaphor that we keep beating, but we're going to keep doing as long as they're owned by oligarchs. Like they've got the oil billions. It's just the, the football manager cheat code. So mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, well we can't get a decent squad player okay we'll get him he's a decent squad player 30 million whatever yeah i mean it's um i don't really understand why and i mean initial bid was 18 million uh which was rejected so i mean how how is this going to be 25 I mean, the you know, one of the many tabloids is reporting thirty. I don't remember Oof. if it was the Sun or whatever. Okay, um, that's way too much money. I mean, I and I, I mean, I understand that he wants to leave West Brom and take a you know step back to one of the bigger clubs, even though it is the rival of his former team. Um, and honestly, I don't know if I would care that much if he ended up at city yeah i mean there are some players like i understand that you were pissed when robin van Persie ended up at manchester united oh of course yeah and sure there was a little bit of animosity towards carlos tevis after he left uh united went city um or Ida Bayor going to city for example yeah but i, I think it, sure. it, ha- it has to do more with the players that are good <laughs> you know, I really don't. I took a drink of water as you said yeah. that, and I almost did a spit take all over my computer. Yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't say that I'm heartbroken if Johnny Evans goes to Manchester City. No, but I mean, but again, this is the the majority stakeholder who is not the sole owner of Manchester City is is worth you know upwards of 40 billion dollars us you know and he does he just it's and it's even more so it's just like all inherited born into money you know mm-hmm. it's it's playing life with the cheat code on really oh. and so i it it doesn't make sense from a footballing standpoint i mean i think that paulie's historical perspective in that sense is absolutely spot on and at the same time, I think that it's just it, – it's maybe an illustrative example of how transfer fees have gone totally mad, per, you know, particularly with the influx of um, investment from mm, huge oil oligarchs, not only in the Middle East but also in Russia. Mm-hmm. So it just – it's – it's changed the landscape of the game, but then the game itself is also a multi-billion-dollar industry, and so suddenly you have mediocre, borderline has-been players that are worth all this money. But you know what? At the end of the day, maybe he'll maybe he'll prove us all wrong and have his swan song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what oh, happens there. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll take a quick preview on some of the games, and then we'll do our predictions. So stick around. And we're back. Saturday morning, we got Swansea against Manchester United. 7.30 a.m. Beating breakfast that game. <laughs> Swansea now without Gilfie. And uh, like we said, that, you know they're interested in bringing a trio of players to sort of replace him. And I think that that's what's going to have to be the key for Swansea is they can get a couple of players in and then sort of, you know, scoring by committee make up for the goals they lose from Sigurdsson because he was deadly on deadly on dead ball situations. Um, you know, very good on the free kicks, good on the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if they can land some players here. Manchester United, all the hype after that four nothing win over West Ham. Um, I guess it was Mourinho's first four nothing win as United manager. That doesn't shock me. Yeah, which is sad. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see if they can keep things going. Uh, without Gilfie now in the dressing room for Swansea, do you think that players are more like, okay, this is done and dusted with, let's get on, let's move on? Because, I mean, he wasn't even no, on the plane no. to the preseason tour in the U.S. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I misunderstood what you implied by that. I, I thought that your implication was players going to be like done and dusted. Our season is scrapped. Oh no, no, no! But rather, no. Thank God that this saga is over. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that it's difficult to see being particularly successful. But it's not a team without you know some degree of skill on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just I I don't I'm not going to say I don't think that they are ipso facto condemned to relegation without Gilfie Sigurdsson I do think that they're going to be in a relegation battle at least until the early months of spring oh yeah no I, I, I think that they'll eke it out I don't think they'll get relegated well but... and I'm not I'm not even willing to say that you know it's a... oh we're going to have one of those bees nests again I'm telling you it's going to be like between we're going to have someone who drops off that seems to be the case every year here now. Uh, and then between second to last place and like six, uh, let's say 15th. I don't think it's going to be more than like maybe six points. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. The, the thing is that the, you know, it's going to sound like we're talking out of both sides of our mouths, but I mean, hell, bud, we're soccer pundits. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> like, you know, the billions of money invested in the league while you can lament it as overly ostentatious, it's just a game, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it has improved the parody, for sure, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think that Leicester City proved that in many ways, but if the glory of a Leicester championship is far more exciting and, you know, rings louder and longer in the history books, nonetheless huge relegation scraps are also illustrative of just improved competition throughout the league. Oh yeah. And I mean, those are almost as fun to watch as the, the title race. Well, uh, let's with the caveat of being, of course, 
almost as fun from a neutral perspective. Oh, yes, 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 of course. <laughs> if, you're, if you're gnashing your teeth. Yeah, if you're in it, then it's horrible. your breast <laughs> trying to stay up, then uh, not so much. But. No, if you're in it, it's horrible. Yeah, I, uh, I'll have to go back quite a long time. Uh, the team I root for back home in Gothenburg, they were in a relegation uh, qualification many, many moons ago. And that was heartbreaking. Like yeah. going to those two games were, I mean, they pulled it off, but yeah, it was rough. It was really rough. Uh, otherwise, on Saturday, that's the other game, like we said. Um, then we got four games on NBC Sports Gold Bournemouth, Watford, Burnley, West Brom, Leicester against Brighton, Hove, and Albion. Um, then we got Liverpool against Crystal Palace. Uh, Frank DeBoer off to a rough start at Crystal Palace as they lost 3 0 to Huddersfield. And um, now they go to Anfield to take on Klopp and his Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I I think Liverpool are going to bounce back in this one. Um, I, I I can't see them. I mean, and this is the thing that I it's it's hard, right? Because you know we can't go to every training session. And we can only infer so much based on squad changes, chemistry perceived mm-hmm. via you know what we have access to in the locker room. But at this point, I'm Liverpool hasn't showed me anything, especially based on their first performance and their known quality that they have in the dressing room, that they're not going to be the same old streaky up and down Liverpool. So I I fully expect him to show up and blow the doors off palace for like three four nil and then maybe next week they'll once again drop points spectacularly yeah yeah i mean i think crystal palace they're in a tough spot uh saha is out injured and i'm not sure DeBoer has had enough time to sort of get his um you know real stamp on the team i know it's going to be a lot more positional it's it's a totally different style from sam allardyce so and it's weird too because I heard that the the final candidates for the job here was DeBoer and Roy Hodgson, which is mm-hmm. also two people with very different playing philosophies. Yeah, I mean, I. So I don't really know. I'm, do do the Crystal Palace board know what they want? No, <laughs> I, I would I would suspect not. But then again, I'm only passingly familiar with their level of investment from a comparative club plaything perspective. I I I still have a lot of time and respect for Roy Hodgson, but I think that if you're if you're going to hire him, then that what that that makes a firm statement of we are gonna be a solid mid-table club and we might make a good cup run Mm -hmm. i mean that's his you know that's really his bread and butter i i I think that liverpool didn't do right by him by not giving him enough time you know they kept saying we'll give him a transfer window we'll give him a transfer window they didn't give him a transfer window but nonetheless i mean i still think that he's a guy who really thrives at 
bringing small-ish or at least compared to the biggest clubs, underdog clubs up by their bootstraps, making them perform slightly above themselves with a comparatively conservative philosophy. And then, you know, every now and again, you'll get a bit of magic that sees Fulham beat Juventus. But for the most part, it's keep the ship steady in 12th. Yeah. Then we got uh, Southampton West Ham also on NBC Sports Gold. And then we got Stout taking on Arsenal. Uh, be interesting to see here what uh, Arsenal do defensively to try and shore things up as they were leaking against Leicester. How do you think they'll form up at the back? Be... <laughs> leaking against leaking against Leicester. Nice yes. There. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I just want to see an actual central defender played in this game. <laughs> that's, that's my first and foremost wish. Okay. Um, well, they sold yeah. uh, Gabriel. Yeah. They He's sold off. Gabriel. They also sold Lucas Perez, mm-hmm. um, which I'm of two minds about. I mean, I don't think that Gabriel was ever going to be a world beating center half. Um, but even if Rob holding is a higher ceiling than Gabriel, uh, boy, we looked a shambles against Leicester, and I think we need a real center back holding down the anchor of that back three. Yeah, Gabriel could be a good four or five. Yeah, I, I don't know. And it's strange, though, because also I heard a rumor of um, Inter Milan trying to get Godron Mustafi on loan. Hmm. Which makes no sense no, from really, a personal perspective. It really doesn't. <laughs> like, unless, unless they are planning to bring in an upgrade. I mean, uh, it would, but it, no, even no, no. I I reject that entirely. Like we just sold Gabriel. We we need players at this position. The first game of the season, if. If nothing else, what it smacked you in the face with was Arsenal's defense looks shaky as hell. And what could improve that? I don't know. Maybe actually playing a center half so you can play other players in their position. I mean, at the end of that Leicester match, it was was crazy. Almost every player was playing out of position. And Mm -hmm. granted, you know, I know we had to throw men forward to get goals, which thankfully we did. So I'm not necessarily criticizing it, but I think that those that there were such desperate times that called for those desperate measures illustrates that we need to hang on to the center halves that we have. If even if we sign another center back. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'll see how they fare against Stoke on the road. Then Sunday early game Huddersfield against Newcastle on the NBCSN. Then we got the London Derby between Tottenham and Chelsea. That's sort of the, the marquee matchup here over the weekend. Um, you know, interesting things here. Diego Costa, you know, seemingly on his way out. We'll, we'll see what he where he ends up. I mean, he's expressed uh, that he wants to go back to Atletico Madrid. They can't sign him right now because they're they have a transfer ban against them by UEFA, so they can't. Well, they could sign him, but they can't register him until January. Yeah. So I'm not sure that they can. Uh, Splash out that cash for a player who's not going to play for another, you know, four and a half months. Um, 
So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, they sort of fell apart there after that red card of Gary Cahill in the opening game against Burnley. I do think they're due for a big bounce back, though. Uh, I think that that could have been a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Um, I'm not necessarily sure they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a good game. And we'll see when we come to the predictions. But Spurs at home, I'm doing air quotes now, at home on Wembley. So we'll see what happens there. Then Monday we got Manchester City against Everton. That's the last game of the second week of games. Uh, We'll take another quick break when we come back. It's prediction time. And spoiler, I'm in the lead after the first week. So there we go. Stick with us. Dare I make a Huddersfield comparison? Yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll see. So we'll be right back after these messages. And there you have it. Now we're back to do our predictions. And after the first match week, uh, in the lead, we find me. Eight points. I got six games, and I got the score of the Newcastle Tottenham game. Paulie's in second with five points, and Elliot, you're last with four points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have double the amount of points as you. So, I think we can just call it quits here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, so, at least I'm in the lead for one week. That's always something, right? I so, mean, who knows? You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, who knows? I, I think that we just got used to kind of like. You know, throwing you under the bus every week because you were so clearly far off. The, I mean, no, no offense, but you were the Aston Villa. Like there was no chance. Oh yeah, there was no chance. <laughs> no, I had a couple of. I mean, the, the thing was that I had a rough time getting the scores right. I think that's what what killed me at the end. That's why it became such a gap. So I'm hopeful that'll be better this season. Uh, kicking things off. Uh, Swansea against Manchester United. Uh, we already got Paulie's picks in, so I'm going to read them out first. Uh, he says 3 nothing Manchester United. I'm not going to be as optimistic. I'm going 2 nothing Manchester United. Boy, maybe I'm going to start picking backing off of you here, Seb. That was, that was my thought. I, I don't know. I, I really want to give the Swans a goal. But I'm not. It's 2-0 seems right. Okay. Then we got Bournemouth against Watford. 2-2 draw from Pauly. I'm going to go with the 2-1 win for Bournemouth. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'm not sure about Watford. I mean, they... uh... Yeah, I don't know, man. Burnley taking on West Brom at home. Pauly's... Took the safe bet. One nothing Burnley. Mm. I'm gonna go one one again in this one. I mean, okay. I, I, you know, now you, you want to see them kind of bounce back after their shock showing in week one to make Turf Moor really a castle again. But mm-hmm. I think that Tony Pulis is gonna Pulis it up, and it's gonna be a frustrating draw. Okay, I'm going two nothing Burnley. I think they're gonna ride that high. Yeah, uh, that form. Yeah, Leicester taking on Brighton. Uh, Pauly went three two to Leicester. I think that's a little bit too much. I'm gonna go two to one. 
Leicester. I'm going to go two nil Leicester. I think that they're going to they're going to show in a way that I don't believe necessarily that Burnley will. That the King Power is going to be their fortress after shipping in so many goals at the Emirates. Mm. Then we got Liverpool against Crystal Palace. Paulie went three nothing Liverpool. I want to agree with him here. I think that Crystal Palace are in a bad way, and I think Liverpool at home they can score a lot of goals against you know some of these lesser teams. I'm gonna go four one. Ah, okay. Well, I'm I'm sticking with Paulie on this one. Three nil. Although. It's possible that Liverpool could put in four, and you never know. Their defense is not exactly a stalwart castle. No. But I think that they'll see enough of the ball here that, I mean, I'm banking on Crystal Palace getting, like, a corner and then scoring off of that. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Southampton taking on West Ham. Polly says 2 nothing Southampton. I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, yeah, where's your faith in Slavon Bilic here now? I don't know. I'm, I don't know, man. St. Mary's is a hard place to play. I'm going to give it 2-1 Southampton. Okay. But I, I still, even if I'm picking them to sputter at the start, I still think West Ham are going to have a better season than they did last year. Yeah. Then we got Stoke against Arsenal. Paulie went 2-1 to one to Arsenal. Stoke mm. is another team where I'm just like, I don't really I feel kind of meh about them. Yep. Uh so 3-1 Arsenal. Uh 2-0 to the Arsenal. Picking the clean sheet, huh? Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get a center back in there. Yeah. Huddersfield against Newcastle. Paulie's going 2-1 to Huddersfield. I think without Yonio Shelby on the pitch Newcastle are actually going to do better. Uh, I'm going 1-1. So, nah, I'm, I'm giving Newcastle the win here. You know, All credit to Huddersfield for being second in the table, but uh, I'm going to go 2-1 to Newcastle. Okay. Then we got that London Derby, Tottenham-Chelsea. Paul is going 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to go... Wow, one one. Spurs are at home slash semi home, right? Yeah. Well, the Wembley where they sucked last season. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, if this was White Hart Lane, I would be picking Tottenham all the way. Uh, I'm gonna say one one. Hmm? No, no, I take that back. I'm gonna say two two. Two two. Okay. Both these teams have goals in them, but I just tottenham seems the team i want to pick but i can't i'm i feel like they're gonna have that they're gonna have that same west ham uh curse ah yeah then we got manchester city at home to everton on monday paulie went three to one manchester city i'm going to nil manchester city yeah three nil manchester city three nil manchester city okay Mm-hmm. No Rooney goal. Uh, yeah, oh boy, boy, you're almost <laughs> you're almost making me change my mind. But I'm gonna stick to my first thought. Yeah, there you go. Although you know, honestly, I'll probably hedge my bets and put a bet down on Rooney scoring. No, mm. <laughs> that would be nice.
to wonder how on earth did that happen?